Welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of the Act Protect Engage Ape Academy podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Chase H. Happy to be back. We're bringing great content to you guys this whole summer. Make sure you tune in. Ape. some quick housekeeping notes please if you haven't already follow us okay on um, we're on all major podcast platforms if you can't do a quick review or rating we really appreciate it i look at all the reviews and i use them to get better so if you have a few seconds that would be great it'll help us also with feedback and with rating okay really appreciate you guys we also have an instagram ape underscore academy podcast check us out we got a lot of supplement of supplementary material excuse me that uh we don't include on the podcast we put on the instagram and we put on the tiktok which is underscore ape academy pod okay underscore ape academy pod on tiktok we're trying to put more content on social media spread the word spread the good message okay guys so Today's episode is part one, and we're going to do probably a three-part series, and it's going to be on the Osage murders, okay? And this episode is called Indian Millionaires, the Osage Indians, and the Oklahoma Oil Boom, okay? The Oklahoma Oil Boom. And the book by David Graham called Killers of the Flower Moon the Osage murders and the birth of the FBI is an amazing kind of true crime historical. It reads like a novel, but it's real life. It's almost hard to believe it's real, but it's well-written. It's detailed. It's well-researched. I suggest, I suggest you guys go check that out. And actually there's a movie coming out soon on ape on what Apple on Apple TV starring Leonardo DiCaprio by the same name. Okay. So, be on the lookout for that, all right? So this one's going to be a short episode. And what we're going to do is we're going to kind of set the historical backdrop for the Osage murders, okay? And there's a reason why these murders were happening. And it's all based on money. It's all based on resources, chiefly oil, okay? Oil and natural gas. The Osage were rich. They were sitting on a gold mine. And we're about to talk about that right now. All right, so we have a few sources today. The Oklahoma Historical Society. We also have the American Oil and Gas Historical Society. Of course, we have Mr. David Grant's book, Murders of the Flower Moon, The Osage Murders, and the Birth of the FBI. History.com, the Jackson County Historical Society. And uh, we're going to also credit Mr. Lance Kelly, who wrote the Great article, The Guardian Program for Native Americans, a historiographic review, all right? And that was for the U.S. Department of Education. Uh, we got some good sources. You know, this podcast, we only talk about things that we can back up with real historical sources, okay, guys? That's really important. Anyone, you hear someone trying to make an historical argument or talk about this is how it used to be, hey, what are your sources, buddy? Let me see your sources. Are they primary sources? Are they secondary? Is it off the internet? If it's off Wikipedia, 
I don't know. Look at it with a grain of salt. All right, guys. All right. So ran over. <laughs> Here we go. The Osage oil boom. Long story short, and we're not going to uh, gloss over anything, but the Osage, like many other indigenous tribes, fought a war against settlers who were encroaching on their territory in the Mississippi and Missouri River Valley. Okay. They eventually lost that war. They actually were allied with the Shawnee and the Delaware and a few other indigenous tribes. They ended up um, being expelled from Missouri and forced to live in Kansas and Oklahoma on small, what people thought were worthless reservations, right? The land was rocky, it was stony. There was really no farmland. You know, um, a lot of times the native tribes were forced onto these kind of really barren lands while their rich ancestral homelands were taken over by settlers and used to make money for you know either individuals or businesses which is really messed up and there's a lot to unpack there um, but for today we're going to keep it with um, the Osage and their oil so what was originally considered to be worthless land turned out to be a financial boon for the displaced tribe at the turn of the, of the 20th century it was discovered that Osage land sat atop a liquid gold mine, okay? The Indian Territory Illuminating Oil Company made the first deal with the Osage. So they found oil, right? They, they struck gold. They struck it rich. The problem for them was, right, for the uh, Illuminating Oil Company, the Indian Territory Illuminating Oil Company, was that the Osage had rights to the land. It was their reservation, right? So what do you do? They made the first deal with the Osage, receiving rights to all the drilling in the Osage Nation for 10 years, beginning in 1896. The very next year, the first oil well was built in what is now Barsville, Oklahoma. Petroleum development in the Osage Indian Reservation proceeded rather slowly in the late 1890s. So it took a little while to pick up, right? It was slow going. You know, it's, it's a process. They really didn't have the transportation, right? Lack of transportation, low prices for oil, and a host of other problems caused delays in drilling. But finally, finally, in 1904, the completion of a pipeline leading to the Standard Oil Refinery in, in Nidosho, Kansas, cut transportation costs by over 40%. With this development, over 300 wells were brought into production over the next year. And by 1907, listen to this, by 1907, the Osage oil fields produced more than 5 million barrels of oil a year. Okay, think about that number. This is back in 1907. <laughs> okay, this is at the turn of the century. So oil was a hot commodity, even more so than now. So if you can find a deposit of oil... It is worth untold millions and millions of dollars at this time. Over the next 20 years, the, Osage, the Osage's underground reservation, in quotes, would produce more wealth than that of, of all of America's gold rushes combined, catapulting the tribe to the top of the economic ladder as the richest people in the, wor in the world per capita, right? So 
the the wealth that was sitting underneath this quote worthless piece of land actually ended up making tribal members the richest people in the world per capita we're going to go over that how to, how that is i'm not going to give it away but it's basically because they have rights to the land and this is one of the few tribes that actually benefited from being put on a reservation at least in theory they benefited not in reality Author of Killers of the Flower Moon, Daniel Gran, explains that the Osage were, quote, that the Osage, quote, lived in mansions and had shepherd cars. They had servants, many of whom were white. These images belie longstanding stereotypes of Native Americans that race back to the first contact with whites. The Osage defied all stereotypes. They were not the savage, poor, passive Indian in the movies that always lost, that always, you know, were, were down trying to victims. The Osage were rich and powerful. They had mansion, they had, they had servants, they had fancy cars, they had din uh, fancy dinners and dresses. They had all the trappings of the most wealthy. According to Corey, bon uh, Corey Bone of the Oklahoma Historical Society, the profitable auctions of Osage mineral rights were based on, quote, head rights, right? Head rights from a 1906 population count. Put simply, the Osage had a roll of members of their tribe. They actually had a, every tribal member was listed on a roll, the roll call. And the roll had 2,000 names, but the roll was closed. Thus, if you were listed as a member of the Osage Nation, you were paid a portion of the oil profits split evenly equally amongst the tribe right so the osage had a a list of members there was about a little over two thousand of them it was not changing no one's getting added no one's getting subtracted right unless you're a member of the tribe okay there's two a little over two thousand tribal members each member is getting a cut off of the, all the royalties all the fees all the kickbacks, all the money that comes with those oil rights, those head rights to the land. A head right could not be sold, however. But an individual could sell their surface rights. Quote, an average Osage family of a husband, wife, and three children would receive more than $65,000 a year in 1912. This is a staggering amount that roughly translates into $1 million $86, over $1 million in today's U.S. currency. In 1923 alone, the 2,000 tribal members collecti collectively received $30 million, equal to $400 million today. Essentially, the Osage became instant millionaires and the envy of the entire country, especially those who believed indigenous communities did not deserve any rights to the land. People were jealous straight up. There were a lot of haters. The Osage had a ton of haters out there. Not only were people racist to begin with, but they're racist. And now the people that they don't like anyway have money and they're, and they're flaunting it with these mansions and they don't have to really work for it, right? God forbid the, quote, savage Indians who we displaced, murdered, and drove off of their ancestral land 
get a little bit of money, God forbid, right? Unlike most tribes, the Osage collectively owned their land and retained ownership of subsurface mineral rights. From 1919 to 1928, more than $202 million was paid to the tribe in oil and natural gas royalties, bonuses, interest, and land rentals. Bone explains that, quote, the Osage fields were an oil man's dream. The oil was high grade with a good conversion to gasoline ration. <coughs> I should say, I'm sorry, ratio. It was easily refined with a very high percentage of kerosene. It was free of sulfur and, uh, and asphalt. To put it in perspective, there were only 6,000 barrels of oil produced the entire year in 1900. By 1914, more than 11 million barrels were being produced per year from this oil field. Sadly, great wealth for the Osage attracted not only rich businessmen and international corporations, but also the worst types of people, from con artists to drifters to thieves, murderers, murderers, hustlers. You name it, they had it in that town outside the Osage Indian Reservation. Criminal conspiracies, the murder of Osage for head rights to their land, were grim consequences of such great wealth and is the subject of the next couple episodes of this podcast. All right, tune in. Now a, ma a major motion picture starring my favorite actor, the man, Leonardo DiCaprio, Killers of the Flower Moon, The Osage Murders and the Birth of the FBI, is based on a book by David Graham. It's about the plight of the Osage and the twisted conspiracy that revealed just how far greed, envy, and racism can drive a person and how they will commit heinous acts of barbarism for money. This begs the question, who are the real savages? And how do a people who, haven't been, who have been abused, marginalized, and shunned by society become the envy of their tormentors? This is direct quote from Harper's Monthly. And this was a major publication that circulated widely from state to state all across America. Quote, the Osage had become so rich that something will have to be done about it. We're going to stop there. Short episode. Thank you for listening. God bless you guys. I want to say that uh, podcasting is tough. I apologize for any mistakes, but we're going through it. We're going to get better and better each time. God bless you all. We hope you have a great weekend. And tune in to the next two episodes. we got two more episodes coming. The next one's going to be a little bit longer. And we're going to get into the nitty-gritty details of the crimes. Stay safe. Ape.